Hey and welcome to my first Advent winter walk. I'm Father Roderick and if this is the first time that you're listening to this podcast, um, welcome. This is a show where I take you for a walk and we talk about the things that are important in life or are important to me, maybe important to you as well, and I share my experiences, my own struggles and also my discoveries. And this is really a nice way to start the Advent season with a walk outside in a winter wonderland because it's been snowing here in the Netherlands, which is quite exceptional at this time of the of the year. Usually we do get some snow and ice, but it's much later in the winter, so it's, it might be in, in January, February. But we're still at the beginning of December, and when I look around me, uh, there is still this beautiful layer of white powdered snow it's starting to melt because the temperatures are above freezing point but nevertheless it's more wintry than it has been for months and i love it in my rectory it's very nice and toasty i'm so happy that we are not in the same situation as last year where i was unable to get the the house warm especially on the on the upper floor of my house where there was so much that was not insulated um, and and there was a lot of draft, cold drafts that are, that were cooling down the upper floor and of course the the my front door and two of the back doors were were very old and had to be replaced. I've been waiting for that for two years and finally they got replaced a couple of months ago and the difference is quite astonishing also um, the gas prices are a lot more reasonable than they were last year I remember that I was deliberately uh, keeping the heating off as long as I could and putting putting on my my thermal underwear just to save a couple of bucks Um, and this year I told myself you know I'm done with that that was pretty dire at the time and especially I remember sitting at my desk and um, editing my audio and my video and having these frozen fingers and it was just so cold. And it, it prevented me from actually fully working at, at my full capacity because I was fighting the cold. Um, and I was every day I was checking the, the amount of gas that I had used up. And uh, it was I was so... Uh, afraid that we would get a massive bill uh, for heating the house. Now, th- th- it's not just because gas prices have come down and also the fact last year I still had a car. This year, this is the first year since I have been ordained a priest that I don't have a car anymore. Um, so I'm also saving a lot of money on that type of gas. So, uh, and, and of course all the other costs that you incur when you have a car like insurance and taxes and whatnot um but it's also because i think my mindset has changed considerably compared to last year and that's the topic of this walk um i would like to share with you the importance of having an advent mindset um and that can help you not just during this time of Advent, but also maybe even for the next year, because we're heading for 2024. Is this a path or am I illegally walking in someone's garden? 
This is someone's garden. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> this is a park um, very close to where I live. And uh, it, there's this inner park, you could say, and then surrounded by these small houses that I think in the past were mostly for um, uh, people with a low budget, let's put it that way. They're just one floor, just uh, and then a roof. They look very small, and and they're pretty old. Um, but <laughs> I thought that would be a, a short cut to the in the direction of the woods. But uh, alas, it was just a small path leading to someone's backyard. <clears throat> so this Advent mindset, uh, I I got inspired by uh, a book that I read this past week by Michael Hyatt. You may recognize that name because he wrote a pretty um, well-known book a couple of years ago called Platform. And this was in, I think, at the peak of the whole social media revolution where everybody wanted to attract followers and um, monetize their content and building communities around their content. And he wrote a book, a very helpful book, about uh, how to do that and also how to avoid certain pitfalls when it comes to outsour- like outsourcing your, your platform to big companies like Facebook or, at the time, Twitter, by saying, well, you should always have, you should own your platform um, and use the social media to direct people to your platform. Um, it was, I don't know, there, was, there were a ton of ideas that are now pretty mainstream. You, you see those a lot, but at the time... That was uh, it was really nice to have a book that summarized all that in uh, very practical advice. Now, the book that I read this past week was a, a slightly different. It was more in the self-help category of books, and it was called uh, Your Best Year Ever, A Five-Step Plan to Achieving Your Most Important Goals. That is quite a promise, that you have five steps to make this upcoming year your best year ever. Um, the focus of the book is to help you overcome a lot of the uh, self-defeating, self-deprecating mindsets that can hold us back and to replace them with a different type of thinking about yourself, about your goals, about why you do the things and how you go about doing them. And in that respect, I, I really liked reading it in this month of December because we're heading for a new year. And I don't know about you, but I always like to think a while about my plans for the next year. I'm also, because of the work that I do, uh, obligated to, to think, to actually formulate a plan. This is what I'm doing right now for Tridio. And in case you forgot or you don't know what that is, Tridio is, uh, um, a foundation that I started in the Netherlands and that facilitates my, my mission in the media. So obviously I could do all this as a private person, but since <clears throat> I am a priest and I work for the church and the media work that I do uh, is, is beyond the boundaries of my own diocese, we needed to... Uh, set up a foundation that could take care of 
the financial administration and um, and also for me very important especially for my type of um, uh, personality <laughs> with all my flaws is to have a number of people that help me um, stay on track stay on course and that look at the mission both from the inside but also from the outside we have people on the board that are following uh, what I do very regularly we also have someone on the board who is much more of an outsider and knows me from my work on television but has not seen much of what I do on social media and it's really refreshing and also very good for me to have that uh, all those extra pair of eyes that help me to uh, constantly look at what I do and look at the core mission so every year because I am the CEO of that foundation um, by law we have to publish our uh, our our plans also our financial our budget of course and also our um, uh, we are accountable for the because we are a non-profit in the Netherlands which means that we have to publish uh, that yearly report we also have to uh, publish our financial report and I find that very helpful actually at towards the end of the year to look back on what we've accomplished but also maybe a lot more important to look ahead and to make a good planning. So I'm already doing that right now for my work in the media and uh, th I thought this book might might give me some pointers as to how to make that next year the, the, the best year possible and um, this the what what I liked there are th a few things that uh, were slightly underwhelming when I read the book. Let's start with those, and that is that a lot of the advice and uh, the chapters covered stuff that I had already read elsewhere. So it's, there's not much new in this book. It is a collection of good, very solid advice, um, but. I, I maybe I expected something a bit more of a magic formula, which of course it, this is important of the whole book itself is to show you there is no magic formula. Um, it's all about these small steps, and um, most importantly, the success of your future depends on your mindset, depends on your own attitude. Of course, obviously, a lot of um, circumstances that you don't control. But there's one way that you can turn everything around to a certain extent, and that is to um, to be very intentional about the way that you that you behave, that you interact with those circumstances. And uh, one of the big insights that I got from this book, and maybe it wasn't even formulated as such in the book itself, but after reading a book like this I'm always thinking and processing the information and one of the things that dawned upon me is uh, that no matter what the circumstances are uh, nothing external can prevent you from being the person that God wants you to be and this is big in a sense that, that it, it um, th this joins <clears throat> I think the 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 focus of advent which is to discover that 
despite the fact that ultimately we are not our own salvation, we cannot save ourselves from our ultimate destination, which is death, and if you have faith, uh, also eternal life. But the, uh, despite the fact that it is ultimately God who grants you that and who, give, who gifts you that, um, it doesn't mean that it absolves you from doing whatever you can do to, um, to make that come about. This is this very interesting tension between um, God's action and God's supreme action. I mean, we, we cannot reach our ultimate destination without God because if it's just us, then it's just our very limited existence here in, on this planet, in this era. And uh, it, it all depends on the amount of years that we have and the circumstances. But, but ultimately, so we, we, we do need God to grant us this eternal life. And he has already gifted it, us this eternal life it, by giving us a soul that is eternal. But the quality, let's say, of that eternal life, how much of that life is uh, open to God that is something that we can already work and should already work on right now. So it's uh, uh, believing faith in God never dispenses you from, uh, from d- playing your part. Hey, doggies. <laughs> All right. Three dogs running around, chasing each other. And their owners having a chat. Um, so it's... Uh, and I think that both these elements are important. Advent has this idea of looking forward to something that is not yet here. And it's no wonder that a lot of the stories that we read in, in church during Advent are stories about hope in, de- in desperate times. A lot of the prophets that we read, like, just, uh, like Isaiah, they write in very hard, difficult times uh, where nothing goes as planned and people are starting to become desperate and they they wonder if God is even there and to a certain extent this is also the case in Jesus time if if you read the gospel of Mark you see a lot of uh, situations where Jesus tells his disciples to think of the reign of God the kingdom of God as a situation where uh, the master is on a trip He's away and he has left his house or his domain or his vineyard or whatever to us, his servants. And we have to make sure that we do our job, despite the fact that he will eventually return. But it may be at a time that you don't expect it. And it may also take much longer than you think. And this, of course, in the time of uh, the evangelist Mark, this was a reality for a lot of the the early Christians, where a lot of them um, still held that belief that that the return of Jesus in glory, as he had, had promised, um, would be would could be any time. And at the same time, there was a lot of bad stuff happening. The Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Romans, and the temple was no longer there. And so uh, there was also a lot of doubt creeping into uh, the mind of these people. Like, is this? Is he really going to come or not? And then this is why Mark uh, puts an emphasis on uh, a lot of the stories where, where Jesus 
uh, tells people to um, to continue to trust, even though it seems as if God is absent or on a on a voyage and tr- on a trip and uh, is just uh, slow to return. Now, this going back to the book is, um, I think, very uh, enlightening when it comes to to uh, goal setting. Um, because in a certain way, goal setting is, uh, is, is an act of hope. It's something that requires a lot of trust. And the bigger the goal, the more hope and trust is required. Uh, one of the risks that Michael Hyatt um, talks about is setting goals that are too small. Um, where you limit yourself out of fear, out of fear that you won't be able to realize it, uh, that you won't be able to make it, that it has gone wrong in the past, so it will probably go wrong right now. All this, like, doom thinking. Um, and to me, well, that was very relatable because very often I tend to to jump back into that old mindset where I don't feel like I can do that and, oh, I don't know how to do that. And I'm gradually learning to replace that with a mindset that is... Um, that's the opposite. That is like, yes, I have not done that before and um, I, I may not know how to do that yet, but that's why I'm going to do it so that I can learn, so that I can explore. And, and the more I do things that are slightly out of my comfort zone, the quicker I will learn to master it. I remember the very first podcasts that I recorded when I was in Rome. And uh, I was staying in my old room where I'd lived for two years in the Dutch college um, near the, uh, the Via Appia. And I had uh, an old laptop with me and a recorder. And I had no idea how to talk. <laughs> I wanted to record a podcast, but I felt so insecure. And so I scripted everything and I... Even when I recorded it afterwards, I went back and I, I edited out all the ums and all the stutters and I re-recorded a thousand things. And it was all because I, I felt I couldn't do it and I was so insecure. But I kept on doing it and every podcast made me better. And now we're, what is it, 17, 18 years later and it's become second nature. I love doing this and had I never... pushed through when I was still so inexperienced if I had let fear and uh, like an overabundance of self-awareness like keep me back like I don't like my voice and I don't know what to say my English is not good enough I wouldn't would have never been where I am right now and the same is true with my television work and being on camera the first the first years were very hard and frustrating and sometimes also discouraging because I felt like it's never good enough. And uh, those first stand-ups in front of the camera took forever because I had to learn a text by heart that I hadn't written myself. I had to reproduce it for the camera. And then I could not forget a single word of that. And it also had to sound as if I was making it up on the spot. So this combination of like rehearsed spontaneity um, was was more than my brain could handle at the time. 
And so it would be very often we would have like 15 takes of of like three or four sentences. So it took me a day to film four or five minutes of television because I didn't make the 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 items that I was presenting. I didn't make those. I didn't know how to do that. I never thought that I would be able to do that kind of work and so for that too I I I at first I I was looking at how other people made those documentaries and I'm thinking, you know what? I like this. This this is appealing. It's also scaring me to death <laughs> to ever do this myself. But I'm just going to ask ask if I may uh, make one television program myself, and then we'll see um, if it's hard or not. And I, I I remember my very first documentary was uh, uh, about the Franciscans. I think it was uh, maybe to commemorate the. Um, the feast of Saint Francis, and I wanted to explore Franciscan spirituality, and so I went to these two communities, Franciscan communities, in the same town. One is a male community, the other one is a female community, and I did a couple of interviews. I came back with a ton of footage, and no idea how to edit it. I did kind of know how to use the software, but that was just theoretical knowledge now I had to apply that knowledge and turn my footage into stories and I remember the oh it was so much harder than I thought and I, I, after days and days of work I was I was done I had well done I I had 25 minutes of material and I was actually quite content and like oh I'm so glad that's over and then I I showed it to um uh, a colleague of mine to get some feedback and that person said well you may want to re-edit it because and then I got a ton of advice I remember after that I was so I was not frustrated or disappointed but I was I, I was just overwhelmed by the fact that I had to redo everything but I did I pushed through I was like okay this is part of the process. I need to learn this. Um, and I was on a deadline. I had already committed to this, so there was no escape. The only way was the way forward was the way forward. There was no turning back on my commitment. And the second edit was so much better. And it was also a lot easier. Why? Because I had already fought with this material for a week and I had learned from the mistakes that I made. And so the second version was a totally different story with the same material, and it was so much better. And I'm still very proud of that very first um, TV documentary. So the, the, not um, holding on to this, this mindset of fear, self-doubt, self-deprecation, but setting goals that are outside of your comfort zone is important. However... Michael Hyatt also adds the warning that uh, you can also venture into the territory of the, I don't know exactly how he calls it, but something like like insanity. <laughs> like you want way too much and you're not there yet. You don't have the skills, you don't have the experience and you set your goals way too high. That also can block your 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 future. So you have to find that nice balance between something that is slightly more challenging 
than, than, than you'd actually are comfortable with, but not too much that it becomes complete insanity and will never be realized. Um, for me, as a, someone who suffers from an ADHD brain, um, I, that last part is the hardest because my, my, I'm constantly making up new goals and new challenges and I always think that I can do it and I am um, definitely suffering from what uh, the experts call time blindness in the sense that in my mind I can do it and, and it has to be done right now and, has, and it can be done very quickly but it's completely irre- uh, not realistic because in, in reality it takes way longer and it takes up much more energy uh, and resources than I estimate. So becoming uh, adventurous and realistic at the same time. That, that's the big takeaway that I have from this part of the book. Now, um, another... Uh, and I'll, I'll get to why this is important for an Advent mindset uh, in a minute. But uh, another um, uh, thing that I recognize could relate to while reading this book was that he um, challenged the idea that I actually subscribe to for quite a while and you may remember me talking about it here on the walk and that is this this idea this notion that you have to eat the frog first Um, which translates into you have to do the hardest thing the most important thing so something that is important and urgent do that thing first that sounds really great in theory and it also feels like a challenge to all of us where I think most of us have that where we tend to procrastinate what, what is causing friction and what we find challenging or difficult. Uh, okay, I'm in this open spot and this meadow is covered still in snow. Very nice. In the distance I can see some more people. Oh, that's a guy running with his dog. That's good. Uh, <coughs> by the way, speaking of running, I have been finally... <coughs> running again uh so i participated in the training after of course the whole the whole process of of uh uh getting my feet to heal um i had a slight irritation you could say of the muscles in my in both my both of my feet it required special soles and then i got sick then i was actually ready to run and then i got a severe cold it's not completely gone but this saturday again it's like what is reasonable? Am I going to stay home out of fear that I might actually get bronchitis? Or do I trust my judgment enough to think, well, you know what? I'm just going to go at half speed. We'll just take it easy. And if I start coughing, I can always stop. And it turns out that that, you know, trusting myself was the best thing because it went very well and uh, suffered no consequence or no negative consequences from uh, going to that run uh so the 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 advice michael hyatt's advice is well for a lot of people it works actually better to start with a a couple of small things don't immediately attack the frog or whatever the the big thing that you need to uh the, the elephant you need to eat but start with small bites and then you get energized you get more motivation to actually take on that big project that you that you want to do and for me that was so good to hear 
And uh, I come to the same conclusion a while ago that for me, eating the frog is not the best strategy because it it's often too overwhelming. And then I start to look for excuses not to do this. But it's small things. It always start starts small and then it grows into something big. If I translate this to the time of Advent and to what we read in the Bible, I often think of uh, the visit... Uh, of um, the Virgin Mary by the Archangel Gabriel. And he tells her, you are to be the mother of God. And Mary, uh, being still a very young woman, is overwhelmed and she, she wonders, how is this going to happen since, you know, I don't have a husband. And then the angel explains to her that the Holy Spirit will take care of her. And it's all been prophesied before. And uh, But in God's plan, what what the first step uh, that needs to be set is by Mary. Well, actually, no. The first step is, of course, by God. He takes the initiative. I want this woman to be the mother of my son, but then it all depends on that first yes that Mary says. And she says yes. What, what happen, um, may it happen according to your will or to what you've said? Um, it's, a, it's actually a very small yes. Uh, she has no idea what, that, what, it in, what it will entail to become the mother of Jesus and the mother of, of, of the Redeemer, of the Messiah that had been awaited for for centuries but she says yes in that moment and then later on when she grows with her son and she sees Jesus grow and um, and and become more and more the person that was prophesied uh, he shows himself to be this redeemer and this messiah and at the same time it gets really dangerous and tough Every time Mary has to renew this yes, and the yes becomes greater and bigger. But she's emboldened by the fact that every yes that she had said before that um, had helped her grow in the faith that she was actually doing God's will. And so her final big yes is, of course, to let go of her son uh, when he's taken down from the cross and she holds him in her, in her arms. And then uh, that is the moment that uh, you have to embrace this plan of God, even though it goes against everything in your, in your whole existence, to lose your, your, your only child like that. Um, and she was able to, to offer up that yes, I think, because it, it, the whole project had been growing for her entire life. And so, anyway, that would be my my spiritual reflection on this theme that um, God, even though uh, he has a plan and there is something um, that we call God's providence, but God's providence means um, that he's not going to fix everything for you. And it also doesn't mean that God wants you to 
take on everything at once. But God's providence is, I think, the to have enough faith that in this moment, the choices that you can make, given the circumstances, are enough to set you on the path of God's will. And that God will provide for everything you need to make that next step. God's providence is sometimes looked uh, at uh, from the outside as, a, oh, it's just a belief in a magical God. You know, you pray like, oh God, I really need a, a good, uh, like I need an A for my, uh, for my upcoming test in school. And then, uh, <laughs> if you pray hard enough, then you will get that A. No, it doesn't work like that, of course, because you have to study. God is not going to do the test for you. But God may actually help you in, when you trust God and you express that in prayer. He may help you to give you that little bit more uh, persistence to study and to, to focus on what you want to do. And that is how you are realizing God's plan. It doesn't exclude you. Um, but it also doesn't leave it all up to you. This, to translate this to... Uh, you know, how is this next year going to be my best year ever? <laughs> Hopefully. It's, uh, I think, the, the challenge to grow in trust and faith, that the small steps that I take every day, um, and that are never going to exceed my abilities, but they may actually push me out of my comfort zone a little bit, uh, that those small steps will lead to greater things. But in God's time. And it doesn't always have to happen right here and right now. Nor do I always have to see that it works. That I'm making progress. That's another aspect of faith. Which is, of course, faith is sometimes just believing. Even though you feel I'm, that you're blind. You don't see it. Like we're praying every week, every day for peace. And then war gets worse. And it seems like the bad guys in the world are getting more and more powerful and are more successful at luring people to the dark side of our, our human existence. And so there's always the risk that at one point we're going to give up because we feel like, well, it doesn't really matter if I pray or not. It's, I don't see any difference. I don't see any progress. But that would be, I think, forgetting that Every progress consists out of small steps. And even the most minicule, invisible steps can lead to great things. Um, and maybe world peace will actually begin with you. With, with like the, the, the faith version of the butterfly effect. Right? <laughs> like if you step on a butterfly, it may change the future forever. Um, the tiny things matter. But, but, but there is, a, I think, a spiritual truth to that. that. Like every single act of love... And hope and charity, uh, that's the same as love, <laughs> faith, um, will have an impact, will count towards this ultimate realization of God's plan. One thing we know for sure is that if I don't do the right thing within my means, within in my own situation, then it's certain not to contribute. So what do we have to lose? And this is if I try to translate this to myself. It's, uh, it's part of this process that I'm, that I'm currently uh, in the midst of. And that is to learn more and more to trust 
God's providence. Despite my fears, despite years and years and years of training in <laughs> thinking that I have to do it all by myself. Um, but it's a collaboration. Um, to, to make it more specific, you know that I still have lots of worries about the financial situation of, uh, of, of my foundation and uh, how am I going to finance my mission? How can I keep doing this if we're, uh, we're only bringing together one-third of what it takes to just continue to operate? Well, this... This is a fear, and of course, because it's a fear of the consequences. Because if I cannot continue to do this work, if I don't have the means to do so, then, uh, you know, I'll have to go back to my bishop, and he will probably just put me full-time in a parish. And then that work is so demanding that I don't think that I would have time to continue to reach out on TikTok and YouTube and with podcasts and everything. So there is a very existential fear that is constantly fueling this worry. Um, like, well, how are we going to... How, does, how is this going to happen since... And it's similar to what Mary is asking the angel, like, how is this supposed to happen if, because I don't have a husband? I sometimes have the same kind of prayer where I ask God, like, how is this supposed to continue since I... I don't have enough money. <laughs> I don't make enough money. And the kind of work that I do is it's not really something that you can sell. I really depend on the generosity of, of people, which is also like a complicating factor in I have to trust that others will help me out. And it's not something that I can do myself. Otherwise, I'd, you know, if I, if I, if I had to fund my own mission I'd probably have to take a second job I'd have to, I don't know deliver pizzas or something like that I'm sure that there's, there's work that I could do paid work that I could do but, um, but it would be at the detriment of my mission so the trust I think that is required of me and that I want to commit to is to have faith that if my mission is something that is part of God's plan and I have reasons to believe that it is. Not that I'm like I'm on a mission of God or something pretentious like that. But I do see a lot of fruits. And you always have to judge the tree by its fruits. And I, I do see so many um, wonderful things happening thanks to this ministry. Or because in the way that this ministry is touching people and helping them to reevaluate their own uh, faith journey and their relationship to God or to, to others. Um if if this work is what God wants me to do, then it's enough that I do, that I take small steps. Um, maybe sometimes also a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but but never this impossible mission like, oh my gosh, I have to be like full-time chasing after money and like, no. This is... <clears throat> it's the mindset, the, the, the kind of the Advent mindset is... Oh my gosh, I don't know what this adventure is that God is asking me to uh, embark upon. But I also have the assurance that he's going to be with me. The Holy Spirit is going to take care of this. And the only thing that I have to do is to say my little yes in each moment. And that's enough. And that is, in, to a certain extent, my, my conversion right now is to not panic about 
how big it is, how challenging, how overwhelming it is, but to realize that the small steps that I take are good enough, even though they are always imperfect because I'm human. Like I can make mistakes and I have my, my own baggage <laughs> and sometimes also my own fears, but even despite those, those situational aspects, if I try to do the right thing every, t- every step of the way, I can trust that God has my back and that he will send people that have my back as well. And so that's, for me, that's Advent. It is, you don't see it yet. And sometimes you wonder if it's ever going to happen. Uh, this Prince of Peace that was announced in the Gospels. You know, there were times that the Virgin Mary was, of course, it was obvious that he was the Prince of Peace in the way that he treated other people and what he what he made the world around him. But then there were also moments where that fragile Prince of Peace was overwhelmed by evil and violence and was crucified and killed. And in those moments, you never see Mary despair. You see her cry. You see her stricken, obviously. You know, trusting God's providence doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy-peasy and there will never be moments of... uh, anxiety or but Mary never stops trusting that God has uh, her son under his wings and and well her her faith is rewarded in the resurrection so um, the the journey of Advent in, in during which we also read the story of Mary and how she became the mother of God is a journey that starts very small and hidden away and it becomes, over time, it becomes bigger. And the, the more she and her son grow, the more uh, the, the whole mission grows. And, uh, you know, in, in, it all starts with a very young, inexperienced woman. And the only thing she has is her faith. And that's something I would like to emulate. Um, let's see, is there anything else that I wanted to... Uh, uh, mention here from the book well the, the last thing maybe and then I'm going to uh, walk the extra mile for my patrons the uh, the last thing is uh, uh, something that really uh, hit home when I read it and Michael Hyatt talks about situations where um, you are actually a, a bit in a burnout you, you, you wonder if you do the right thing and uh, things don't seem to go your way or you you don't feel the enthusiasm anymore or the energy and doubt starts creeping in and he recommends that in those situations you go back to your original vision your original calling you know what what drove you to set these goals and when you reconnect to what you truly, what is your real, true goal in life, then you will find that energy again because it motivated you at the beginning of the journey. And even so, even though in the in the in the, in the subsequent years or decades, maybe you've lost track of your initial motivation to uh, to do the work that you do, reconnecting with that first calling and that first. The charism of your vocation um, can infuse tons of new energy 
into what you do. Or it may also lead to you realizing that, well, wait a minute, I think my calling has changed. I don't think that uh, uh, what I do right now is still in line with why I feel I'm here on this planet. And so then you may have to make some uh, different choices. But never continue to do what you do out of fear, out of desperation, because you think that any alternative, you won't be up for it, you won't be good enough. No, always trust that uh, God asks you to, to, to take the next step, only the next step, and he'll take care of the rest of the journey. And he wants to help you to make that next step, not, not necessarily... Uh, provide you with everything so that you don't actually have a goal to strive towards you know, this is the kind of the the whole thing about the about the coming of christ in in advent we we focus on three ways in which christ is coming it's of course his historical uh advent in in our world when he was born but it's also in the here and now where he has to in a way come to us in our own lives, in our world, in our own situations, in the present. And it is also the final return of Jesus at the end of time, where he will put an end to everything that is holding us back. Um, and he will heal everything that destroys the life in us and the future. And so uh, having that goal will actually put us in motion and the more you know why you are, what you're heading towards, at least, you know, what, what drives you, what is, your, what is your true desire, that will have a, a magnetic force on you and will put you in motion. But again, if I translate it to my situation, my worries about the financial future or like, let's say the financial underpinning of, of my mission... Um, that that is my goal is not to fix that no that that is just a tool that i need for what is truly my goal and my desire and my passion is to reach out to make friends everywhere in the world thanks to this digital ministry and to help people that have that are very far away from the the arms of the church to a certain extent to to help them to guide them to be with them to listen to them and maybe also to teach them a few things. And it's also in a world where, where there's so much division and so much despair. To be a ray of light. And, and uh, to be someone who spreads joy. And, and that's what I want to do. That is, that is my mission. And, and the rest, well, you know, it's, it's much less motivating to just constantly be worried about, you know, but how am I going to pay for this? No, what, 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 makes, what made me venture in this direction as a priest in the media was this desire to spread this joy of, of, of faith to, to whoever wants to, uh, wants to join that and to to share what I discover and what makes me super excited and passionate um, and what I learned to, to share that with, with people that, you know, may need to hear that or, or are, are, are searching for answers. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to share with you. And for my patrons, I will uh, continue to walk a little bit more. It's starting to snow again. 
Um, and I would like to uh, talk a little bit about an exciting journey that I planned and that I'm going to undertake even before Christmas. It's a, it's a trip to a very cool destination. And it was one of those moments, I made the decision yesterday, where I, I've, I needed to go out of my, outside of my comfort zone a little bit. But I'm so glad I did. So if you want to hear more about that, of course, and if you want to support what I do, take a look at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And my patrons get access to uh, premium versions of the, of the podcast as a thank you for their ongoing support. Have a, a very, very blessed start of Advent. And we'll talk next week. Take care. God bless.